Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, welcome, welcome. Glad you made it. You made it to the 11 o'clock service at Centerpoint. Hey, if you're here for the first time, I just want to say thanks for coming. I'm John, and I hope we get to connect at the Connect Center afterwards. Uh, this is the second week of a series that is called Frames, and we are, in particular, just allowing some snapshots of, of Jesus to kind of come across our, our screen for a moment, and in particular, some frames that, that showcase the generosity of Jesus. And that's what this series is about, about living generously. Last week, we began... Uh, with uh, talking about loving generously. And our conclusion last week was just this resolve. I love generously like Jesus. And we agreed together that that was a pretty simple thing to say, but to live it, we would need the Spirit of God. <laughs> so I hope that we're actually walking in that, the, the love of Jesus pouring through our lives. And uh, today, I, I'm excited for what I get to share in this message. I, I'm excited because I know that what I'm going to teach today has the capacity to give you a, a, a reframing of your own life and actually to move into a position where you will experience more of God's blessing and goodness flowing into your life and through your life. So I'm thrilled that I get to bring that message today. And uh, I want to just start by just kind of dialing back the clock for a moment. So here we are, end of 2022, and we're all sitting here together as one church body in this place. But for me personally, I rewind the clock. And for me, this is an important day because it was you know, the first Sunday of December 19 years ago that I got installed as the new pastor of, center of this church. So this is always like a little bit of a milestone, the beginning of December for me. But not 19 years. This time, I want to rewind the clock to 17 years. And what I remember about that time is that we were meeting uh, as one church body, about 150 of us at the, the strip mall down the street where the mill is. And we had a storefront there and, a, and the suite in the back. And there were, you know, good times. And, and God was allowing people to come to know Jesus and, the, and things were growing. And we knew that there was more that God had for us, a, a future that would include one day being able to welcome you, you know. And so we were in a in a moment of challenge. Like, how are we going to pull that off? And to pull it off meant, you know, that this group of 150 of us would need to raise like a million dollars. That sounds impossible when, when 17 years ago, you're, you're, you're 150 people. But we, we rallied around together. And, uh, and, and we put the challenge out. And people were praying and fasting. What am I going to do? Is John for real about this? You know, like, but we were. And and during that couple-week period where everybody was fasting and praying, this one guy called and said, I need to meet with you. And, and he, he met with me as a good dude that was serving in the church and regularly volunteering and just committed. But he said, I have something important I need to tell you. He said, you know, when you've said this thing about how we're going to raise a million dollars and build that, what, what is now CP Kids, that building was our first place. He said, I thought you were crazy. I didn't think, I didn't think it was going to be able to happen. But then... In the last couple of weeks, the craziest thing happened that my company that I was working, that I'm working for, uh, went public. And the thing that they were talking about actually materialized and they gave all these stock options. And so all of a sudden, 
I have something that I need to give to you. And he handed a check to me to Centerpoint for, it was more than $200,000. And it was mind-blowing, mind-blowing, mind-blowing for me personally. And this was a brother, this is not somebody living in a mansion somewhere. He lived around the corner from me in a tract home behind Target. I just want you to know, like picture in your mind, right? It, that it was a noble deed of one dude going, I love my church. I want it to thrive. And this thing seems impossible. Not anymore. Thank you, Lord. You get, I know why you did this right now. Right, so that happened. That was amazing. All of a sudden, I'm going, whoa, I think this is really going to happen. And then, and then uh, came the moment of people you know, figuring out what else they would do. This one woman said, you know, I have nothing. I have nothing. I can barely pay my rent, but this I have. And she had been widowed recently, and she had her wedding ring, and she literally put her wedding ring in the offering. We used plates at that time, put it in there. And it was several hundred dollars that was added to what we were able to do. And I'm just sharing like two stories that are at the either end of the spectrum, but both of which, what they represent are hearts of your brothers and sisters, whether you know them or not, going, Jesus, I love you. And I want this church that I'm a part of to keep on thriving and doing what it's doing. So here, and they were giving generously. I could go on literally for the next hour of all of the stories of, of just one moment in time, 17 years ago. But I, ne I need some of you who are kind of new around here to just kind of know about this. That, that the reason why, if you ever find yourself showing up to church going, hey, this is good. I like this. You know, I like that. Nice coffee over here, good seats. And uh, uh, it's because there's been a whole lot of people saying, I will live generously. And in my living generously, yes, I will serve. But yes, I will give. And I never want any of us to take it for granted. That the good things in the kingdom of God uh, come about in part by the people of God saying, let it flow through me, Lord. Let it flow through me, Lord. It pour into my life so I can provide for my own household, yes, and so I can provide for what you want to do in your house, God. And, and so this is what I'm talking about in the message today. And, and I want to make sure that you, first and foremost, hear this, that, that as we approach this subject, uh, there's, there's nothing legalistic about it. This is always in the category of a you get to, not a you have to. And so I just need you to hear, hear me on that. If, if you hear what I'm about to share today about giving and you go, I don't want to do that, but you love the Lord, I will see you in heaven all is well. <laughs> I don't want you to get weird about this. But I do think that there is an opportunity for each one of us maybe to grow and maybe to take in a perspective that uh, could change us and could allow us to be repositioned. And I'm going to tell you more about that position in a moment. But first, let's take the time to go to the scriptures in Mark chapter 12. So turn to Mark chapter 12. Jesus is in this moment where he's been, uh, you're turning to Mark 12, right? But Jesus is in this moment where he's been confronting the, the Pharisees. And, and then he, he, he takes this opportunity in, in this time of worship at the temple to do something very particular that it shows up, if you will, in a, in a frame. If you could picture a frame in front of you and then, boom, there's a picture. And it's a picture of Jesus. And it's Jesus in a moment doing something. And this is what it is. So we're going to Mark uh, chapter 12, and this is what we read there. It says in verse 41, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people 
put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making, uh, making contributions. For they gave a, a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Okay, so, so we're looking at this frame, and boom, all of a sudden we see in the frame Jesus, and there he is, Jesus. And I don't know how it comes into your mind, because the details aren't necessarily uh, scripted out for us. Maybe he's leaning against the wall, against the side over here, looking across at where the offering box is. Kind of like we have offering boxes in the back by the doors or, uh, or, or something like that. There's an offering box there at the temple. Maybe he's sitting on the steps just across, but he's close enough that he can see and he's taking the time to actually take notice of everybody's giving. He's just sitting there watching it happen. Oh, 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 look at that. That's a, they're giving a large amount. Good. But then when this woman comes in and brings her two coins, that seems to be the moment that he's taken aback by, that he's kind of astounded by. Did you catch it? And he's taking this moment to observe who's giving what. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? But Jesus is watching the giving that was happening, and he's recognizing some people are giving out of their surplus. Everyone say surplus. Okay, surplus is great. When you have a surplus, that means you have, here are your needs, and then here's what God has done for you, and it's far and above. And it's good. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn the people that are giving from their surplus. He's just acknowledging that for some people, that moment of giving was easier than it was for others. And, and in particular, he, he recognizes this widow. And he says, even though it was only two coins, the widow's might, we call it, two coins. He says, she gave more than all those other rich people that gave big amounts. He's got different math. Because as he's watching this moment transpired, he, he's, he wasn't so much concerned with the actual dollar amount as he was with the, the heart posture going into it, as he was with, with the, the posture of soul, the commitment, the desire to, to adore and, and reflect that generous spirit. And this is important. What, what I want you to get is this, is that when we do the, the thing that Pastor Will just did, we call it here, we call it our giving moment, it's not an afterthought. It's part of worship. And, and if you could think about it like this, Jesus, back in that particular day, stopped and watched the whole giving moment. And it's because the giving to God that God's people do matters to him. I just want you to see this. Our giving matters to God. Your giving matters to God. And I want you to get it into your spirit right now just for a moment and just say, it. my giving matters to God. Yeah, just say it one more time. My giving matters to God. Again, my giving matters to God. Say it again. My giving matters to God. And that's for every single one of us. Even if you're in a place where you're going, man, but I, I'm working, I barely got 20 hours a week, and it's not even that much of a good uh, rate of pay. And my giving, I mean, it's so small. Does it even matter? Did you read the same Bible I just read? That two coins is what blew Jesus away and went, Whoa. And he said, she gave what? More. 
And, and I want you to just hear this. And he also spoke in, in affirming the giving of large amounts that the others were doing. But I want you to catch this. Your giving matters to God. Say it one more time. My giving matters to God. When you consider giving from a biblical perspective, I mean, you, you begin to read the Bible and pretty quick in Genesis, as Pastor Will pointed out, like very early on, you see a moment, Noah, boom, right after the flood, bringing that offering, it reflecting, God's been good to me, I want to give to my God. You see Abraham coming back from, uh, from a particular struggle and battle, and he won. And then all of a sudden, this priest Melchizedek shows up, and he gives 10%. He gives an offering to him. These are things that happened way before the law of the Old Testament was given. It was just, it was inspired in the hearts of these people to say, my God is worthy of my offering. <laughs> and it was a way to live. And then you, you move through the scriptures, and you, you get to these different seasons. And, and in one season in the Old Testament, it's, it, it's time to bring an offering. And, and people were bringing, I mean, numbers of, of heads of cattle and sheep, and they're bringing them to the tabernacle at a place called Shiloh. And then the priests had to spend all day literally doing the sacrifice, which literally meant barbecue, like all day long. I'm kind of glad I'm not in ministry in Old Testament times. Otherwise, my thing would be a grill master, grill master John. But they, they would bring the offering in the form of a sacrifice. Sounds crazy to us right now. I know, animal sacrifice. But it was a, the bringing of something that mattered most and that really had all the value and saying, God, you're worthy. And, but what God said is, yes, bring the tithe and offer it, but also eat the tithe. That was part of the dynamic. And what eat the tithe meant was, yes, we're going to have a massive barbecue. And you should enjoy some too. Bring it to the temple, but then enjoy what happens from the temple. Let it sustain you. Let it fulfill you. Let it satisfy you. Let it be bread unto you. And so, so then we move into the, the temple period where, where the offerings are brought, but sometimes people didn't have the animal sacrifice to bring, but they would bring a, a financial offering instead, or, or they would exchange the financial offering for the, the sacrifice. It gets, it gets a little complicated, but the pattern is the same. People bringing a reflection of worth and value to the Lord God and not coming empty-handed. And we get, to, uh, we get to the place in the scripture where, where giving is brought as, as a challenge, and, and it's because it's an opportunity to trust God. So here's a core conviction that, that I live in and I walk in, and, and I want to make sure that I share it with you. It's simply this. I give God my first and best and trust him to bless the rest. I give God my first and best and trust him to bless the rest. Say this with me. I give God my first and best and trust him to bless the rest. One more time, say it. I give God my first and best and trust him to bless the rest. This is a way to live. And it's something that I personally have been walking out every season of my life for uh, three decades, more than three decades now, because I learned this young. And, and it comes down to a, an understanding of who my God is as my source and my provider of everything. And then engaging in a willingness to say, this little moment where I release some of what you've given me, it lines my heart back up. It helps me to consider again, yes, God, you're the provider, not me. And I'm reflecting that through this moment of giving my, my offering. One of the core elements of 
giving God my first and best from a biblical perspective is the act of tithing. And, and here's what I want to explain. When we speak about our, our giving in worship, there are broadly speaking three different kinds of categories, if, if you think of it this way. One would be donations, that I, I simply begin to to do donate, I give. I, I decide this is what I feel like I can give, and I give that. And I want to affirm that, that it's good for any person to decide to begin to give in whatever way. It's amazing, and it helps to ensure that the work of God can continue, and it reflects that you, your heart is, is growing in affection for God. So beginning to give in worship is good. There is another place of maturity in your faith where you begin to uh, engage in tithing. Everyone say tithing. So tithing is a particular word. It has particular meaning. And it doesn't just mean, oh, that's, tithing is like when you give to church, right? And it's more particular than that. And, and it comes to us from so many places in the Old Testament. But first, I want you to understand why we tithe. And it's this Deuteronomy 14.23 says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I want you to say this verse uh, together out loud with me. Ready? Go. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. There, there is a reality in which tithing does something inside of you. And it's important what it does inside of you. Jesus said in Matthew 6.21... Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so Jesus has invited us to be people who direct our hearts into the things of God. And one of the ways we do that is by sending some of our treasure there. And by treasure, he's talking about the finances that we've been able to earn or, or save or, or put together. And, and this is a core conviction, is that it's a discipline to begin to develop. And it's not something I do because I have a, I'm afraid of what God will do if I don't. It's because I love my God and what he has done. And because of that, I'm motivated to say, Lord, I want to give. I want to tithe even because I want to see things happen in your kingdom that need the resources. And I want my own heart tested and realigned with you as often as possible. And so I choose, God, to do this. And so I want to talk about the development of a healthy habit. How many of you would say you've got some healthy habits in your life? For most of us who are raising our hand right now or typing it online, our healthy habit didn't just start uh, with, with, you know, on its own. It was something that we thought about. We probably heard something about, and then we began to do it. Like, for example, I have a healthy habit. I, I have a thing where I put a 16-ounce glass of water on my nightstand, and every morning, first thing when I wake up, I sit, and I sit on the edge of my bed, and I pray, God, thank you for this day. And I take my 16-ounce glass of water and down the whole thing. And it's a healthy habit. And, and I read about it somewhere. And I, I won't bore you with all the scientific details, but it's good for you, and it's something that helps your body wake up, something like that. But I do that, and it's good for me. Yeah. It takes a little intentionality. I have to set the glass out. I, I might rather you know, eat something or do whatever else, but that's, that's what I do. Your choice to begin tithing will be similar. It will be a habit that you choose to do because you understand that it will be beneficial both for you and for the work of God. So I want to take a moment to turn to the, the words of the prophet Malachi for a moment. Malachi chapter 3, uh, verse, uh, verse 8. 
Malachi 3, verse 8, God is speaking through the prophet and says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, if you do. Somebody say, if you do. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight says the Lord of heaven's armies. I, I told you before that what I'm teaching today will give you the opportunity to reposition your life so that more of God's goodness and blessing would flow into you and through you. And what we just read is a description of that position. So just picture it for a moment. You moving your life to a place where you're standing under an open heaven, like where the windows of heaven are open and pouring out upon your life is the mercy of God, is the comfort of the Holy Spirit, is the restoring power of God in families and relationships, is the light of God pouring in, displacing darkness, is the hope of God just filling every, every place that needs it, is the strength of God coming into your Body, is the healing power of God, is the favor of God upon your enterprises, your work, your business, your negotiations, pouring out on your life. That's the position that some of you actually have been in for a long time. Catch me on this. It's really important, right? For, for some of you, look around in your life and recognize, man, things have been going really well. Now, picture yourself standing and looking up. Oh. Oh, right? Can somebody just acknowledge that? that man, you, 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 had, you made a choice, maybe it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you were over here doing whatever and you decided, you know what, I'm gonna begin to honor God with my finances and I'm gonna give to him. And all of a sudden you put yourself in this position and it's not to say that there haven't been tensions and struggles, it's not to say that you haven't worked yourself hard to the bone and whatnot, you have. But in that moment, you've been in a new position, and the floodgates of heaven have been opened to you, and the blessings of God have poured out. And somebody right now, if that describes anything like your situation, take 10 seconds and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And for someone else, I want this to be an invitation today. Because what I just described, that position of standing under the open floodgates of heaven. It's not exclusive. It's, it's open to anyone who would just simply say, God, I'm going to shift what I do with what you've given me. And I'm going to begin to honor you and to even honor you with the tithe. The tithe. Everyone say tithe. Tithe. Tithing is a particular word. And I want to make sure that you understand the meaning of the word tithing. It is returning the first 10% of my income to God. 
That is what tithing is. Tithing is returning the first 10% of my income to God. Somebody say, that's a lot. I mean, for, it depends where you're coming from, right? But I, for most of us, we'd look at that and say, that's a lot, though. It is. Like, do the math for a second. Maybe in your household, your household income might be $11,000 a month. Maybe both people are working good jobs, and that's the level of provision you're receiving. If you are tithing, what that means is you're saying, okay, well, $1,100. I'm giving that as worship to my God to see the mission of Jesus flourish in the earth. But, but somebody say, $1,100, that's a lot. That's a lot. You can say it. I mean, that's a, two car payments, right? <laughs> or maybe not two these days, 7% interest rates. It's a lot. But nevertheless, those of us who choose to tithe have embraced a, a, a deep and mysterious spiritual principle that God has spoken and said, you need to know who I really am as your provider. But it can't just be up here in your mind, and it can't just be lip service. You need to really know. And part of how you're going to know that is by inviting me to be the partner in your life the partner in your life. And the way you're going to recognize my partnership in your life is by returning to me the tithe. And, and I'll tell you this. So many of us in this room have experienced so much of God's goodness in this church, and that is largely because of the faithful tithing of God's people over years and years. And it's important to recognize that and to say, this didn't just pop out of nowhere. Like all the good stuff going on in the house of God here, it didn't just... Yeah, no one just snapped their fingers and boom, there it was. It was a whole lot of people sitting there doing the math going, wait a minute, if we really do this whole tithing thing, man, come on. But I thought we were going to try to, you know, do a fancy vacation and that means we might not be able to. And some of us have had moments like that where we've really actually shifted our life. And at first it seemed difficult, but then God showed us the goodness, especially over the long arc of the storyline of our lives. But we needed, we needed the stretching. You know, this past, uh, this past week, I signed up for a, a new gym, and, and uh, I felt inside like, I need a little change, I need a little bit of motivation. Right? So I signed up for a new gym, and they gave me a, a free session with a trainer. And I hadn't done one of those in, in years and years. And so I did this session with this trainer, and he, he evaluated me, and um, he asked me questions about what I was doing, and and he was nodding his head as I was describing all of the different kinds of curls I'd do and the different kind of shoulder presses I'd do and the different kind of you know, arm and the different kind of let, you know, back things I was doing. And he said, okay, all right, I've heard enough. I'm ready to do the workout with you. I got a plan. And he took me over to this tire. And he said, all right, you, you, here, watch this. And he stepped up on the tire and then he stepped back down. He said, now you go ahead and do that. Do that 50 times. And 50 times, by the 12th time, I'm done. It, what he recognizes. This guy never does any leg workout. So for the next hour, he had me doing steps up onto a tire and then every lunge known to man, like with weights and to the side and everything. And, and I'll tell you what, man, it was so bad. It was so hard. And the next day when I woke up, I had sheer hatred in my heart towards that man. He was a nice guy too. It's sad, but I did. I felt he hurt me. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I'm grateful because that trainer taught me something that I, I needed to do. I did, have, I did have goodness going on with the workout with the arms and the shoulders and the back. But 
I didn't have much going on with the legs and it needed to change. And I want to affirm that for, for many of you, you're growing spiritually, you're praying and you're serving and you're, you're loving the Lord and in lots of ways, but it's leg day, okay? So, and I know how everybody feels about that. I know, I know, it's all right. But it is important that we accept sometimes the stretching that can take us beyond what we're maybe just comfortable with and recognize there's something, God, that you want to accomplish here. There's something that you want to bring about that I get to be a part of. I get to be a part of it. Like, so for example, I shared with you that 17 years ago, there's a group of us, you know, barely paying the rent at the strip mall, and we needed to keep paying the rent over there while also trying to build that CP Kids building over there that wasn't kids at that time. That was it, right? And so what that meant was that there had to be a whole lot of people that were tithing, like really tithing and a whole lot of people that were willing to bring a special offering even beyond tithing while keeping on tithing. When I think back to those days, I, I want to just say thank you to the people that were a part of that moment, you know, who were there then, because there's a few. Because the goodness that happens now, it has been catalyzed by that kind of faithful generosity year in and year out, month in and month out, week in and week out. Some of us, it's okay. If you're sitting here today going, this is uncomfortable for me, I'm not ready for this. That's okay. It's all right. But I am urging you to consider stepping into this, this spiritual discipline. When I think about what it brings about, I think about a moment like two weeks ago. We had our bring a rowdy friend, they call it barf night, youth night, lock-in, where for 13 hours straight we have... And it was 350 students, the most that has ever been here. <laughs> That's a lot for 13 hours, locked in. And, and, and when, they did, when Pastor Aaron did the, the altar call after a time of worship, here, here, right here, 64 students came down to the front to say, yes, I need Jesus. I need his gift of forgiveness and salvation. That doesn't just happen. That is the glory of God manifesting. But God allowed us to have the mind of Christ that, that we would have a place th that we could utilize for moments like that again and again and again. And God gave us the mind of Christ to recognize that, that we would need people, people who are, can I say, who work here, who are part of the team, and that's part of what happens when you tithe, is you allow that to grow. And a purpose, a kingdom purpose being fulfilled and accomplished in and through this place. And Thank you, church, to every one of you who's part of how that happens. And some of you who aren't part of how that happens, I do want to urge you to consider and pray about how God might want to call you into that kind of spiritual maturity. And, uh, and I'm grateful that God's light shines bright here, and it allows the light that shines bright here to shine far. And so I want to just kind of shift gears right now and, and simply share this with you. We get to partner with uh, ministries around the world because we, we love what God is doing here, but we love what God wants to do all around the world through his kingdom. One of our ministry partners that, that we're so grateful to lock arms with is Empowering Lives International. And uh, yeah, some fans of ELI. Empowering Lives, you can look them up. It's such a powerful and awesome organization. But what Empowering Lives is about is uh, serving in East Africa in particular. That's where it started. Don Rogers is a friend of mine. He began this great work. 
And now for 30 years, they've been doing the, the hard and good work in East Africa of helping people get alleviated from poverty. So rather than just giving a hand out, empowering lives, like their name suggests, is about helping people with a hand up in empowerment to discover ways to have a dignified kind of an experience with Jesus and also making a business to make a living. It's amazing, awesome ministry that happens. And we've been partnering with them for years, but recently uh, they, they had this idea. What if we actually uh, got, made our partnership even closer? And in particular to do that by helping Centerpoint Church in Murrieta partner together with one particular church and village in Kenya that we could be sister churches with. Doesn't that sound kind of fun? Like rather than some of us going, you know what, okay, missions offering, I'll send $25 out to who knows where, I don't know. But instead of that, to say, no, 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 we know Pastor Paris at Christian Family Church in Metke, Kenya, and we're partnering together because they need a new well. Wouldn't that be so fun? Aaron, wouldn't that be so fun? It would be, right? Yeah, it would be. I think it would be. So we're going to do that. And some of you are going to believe like three months from now after it starts getting more fun. But right now, I want to introduce you to Christina Andres. She's one of the executive directors of Empowering Lives International. And I want to invite Christina up here to share a bit more about this partnership for the village of Metke. So tell us all about it and how we can partner. Awesome. Jumbo, everyone, I just returned from Kenya last Wednesday. So happy to be in the house of the Lord with you. This will always be my church home. And so to worship with you today, just a thrill. And I'm so grateful even for the moment in the message we had. I remember, thank you for helping me re-remember the moment that my husband and I sat on the floor, cut up our credit cards and said, God, God is either like true to his word or he's not. Let's believe who he, that he is who he says. And from that moment, everything changed for our life as it pertained to being under that open heaven. So, so good to remember where we've been. And this is a little bit about where we get to go now. Like Pastor John said, for over 20 years, we've been in partnership with ELI, specifically to help orphans and families who are experiencing generational cycles of poverty, come out of poverty, come into freedom. Uh, and what our team does is provide ideas, skills, paired with the gospel so people can crush poverty, not us crush poverty, but those who have experienced poverty can crush poverty. They can embrace Christ and then they can share their transformation with others. And so even since 2013, we've had uh, opportunities to go to the community of Metke. It's a, a village that is run by a chief, which would be kind of similar to how we have a mayor who has governmental authority over our communities. And uh, there are 15,000 people in that area who may know the love of God, but may not because the majority of them struggle uh, with hopelessness, uh, extreme poverty. These are the people who we often hear, you know, on advertisements. They're living with less than $2 a day, which means then that their kids will end up dropping out of school. Generational cycles of poverty continue. And then just to numb themselves from the reality of life, there is an excessive amount of alcoholism and also brewing illegal alcohol, which is causing massive destruction to happen within the villages in East Africa. This is a problem that has had generations of um, effect. 
And now we're seeing God open the doors after 27 years of ministry there where actually revival is coming. People have experienced training, have had radical encounters with God. Their lives have been changed forever. And now they're welcoming their neighbors, their friends uh, to come onto their property where they're also now teaching skills and ideas. The training that is happening is not ELI training it. It's people who have experienced training from ELI who are now mentoring and like uh, collaborating in cohorts to see their villages transformed. So this is an amazing opportunity that we get to have to come alongside by uh, supporting and partnering with uh, Paris, who is the local pastor and also the chaplain for the Women of Change at ELI. She's amazing. I was just with her a couple of weeks ago, and she said, Christina, when you go back to Centerpoint Church, share with them our greetings. Tell them we are even praying for them. And so this is the fruit of a partnership where you're going to have brothers and sisters in Christ halfway around the world who are praying faithfully for you that the same breakthrough you're believing to happen there, their believing is going to happen in your life and in Marietta, California as well. This is a, a picture of the church. It was established by Paris, who actually was one of the women years ago who was brewing, had a radical transformation with the love of God, ended up going to Bible school, and now started that church. There's also a groundswell of momentum that's already happening as over 100 women have come out of brewing. We're in connection with about nine local leaders. We have a great relationship with the chief. And even next year, y'all are going to be sending a team to go and to do ministry in that city. And so we're excited for the future. There's so much potential for what God wants to do. And this is going to be a beautiful expression of us living out our discipleship in the Great Commission by coming alongside this village, loving on them, praying for them, and then building relationships as we all find ourselves becoming more like Jesus every single day. So that's a little bit of the backstory. And this weekend, we have a really good opportunity to put this into practice. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So what we're going to do is, uh, sorry, what we're going to do is we're going to together send a gift of hope. And the gift of hope, here's the challenge. Like we wanted to start this partnership with an offering, a love offering that would allow the, the village of Metke to know there's a village in California that cares for them. And the, the goal is $10,000, which is a lot. But I believe that uh, between now and the end of the year, if a, a number of us are moved by the heart of God, we'll do our part and we will begin this partnership well. But you can grab the QR code and do the giving that way. You can stop by the table afterwards and grab a tag. And maybe that tag could symbolize a gift that you're giving to the person who has everything. <laughs> you can say, what I gave you is, is support of a village in Kenya, since you already have all you need. You could do that. Um, but most important is that we would pray together, that our hearts would, would really sync up with this idea. As your pastor, I'm asking you to enlarge your heart, to say, I'm willing to say, we've got a sister community in Kenya. So here we are, Murrieta, California, and our sister community is Metke, Kenya. I like how it kind of has the alliteration. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Metke, Kenya. Everyone say Metke, Kenya. Metke, Kenya. God, give us a heart for Metke, Kenya. Yeah. And would you just take a moment, Christina, and pray with us, for us, that we would get a heart for Metke, Kenya yeah. and the people there. Yeah, God, thank you for this awesome idea that is inspired by your love for the world. 
And so we do, we consecrate this moment as we start a new relationship. And we ask even supernaturally, God, that you would unite our hearts together. We release a heavenly blessing over Metkay, over Pastor Paris, over the ministry leaders, the lay leaders, the farmers, the trainers, yeah. the chief over Bless that area, God. And we thank you for what you want to do in that place and also what you want to do in our very own community, God. We, can, we just, we believe that you are sealing this with your blood, that this mm -hmm. is a great opportunity to uh, follow you into a lifestyle of discipleship and to see our communities transform transformed by your love. And so God, we trust you with the future as you continue to knit our hearts together. We believe you for great things. We declare that Met K will be saved because of Jesus. And we also declare the same blessing over Marietta, California. God, we ask Jesus right now that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come in Met K and Marietta and across the nations because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Christina Andres. Okay, so the message, uh, we began the beginning of this message by saying your giving matters to God. And it's important. I hope you'll take that with you, with, with that simple resolve, my giving matters to God. And would you just take a moment and remind yourself of that again today? My giving matters to God. You can say it with me. My giving matters to God. Picture that frame, Jesus interested, paying attention to the giving people are doing as they worship. My giving matters to God. But you know what else is true that I hope will resonate in your soul? Is that God's giving matters to you. John 3.16, it's our gospel, his gospel for us. For God so loved the world that he he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. But God so loved the world that he, he gave. And so I just want to say, God, your giving matters to me. Would you just say that in prayer with me? God, your giving matters to me. That sounds funny to say it, doesn't it? But it's the truth. If God hadn't been so generous to give like he gave, you would not have the hope of heaven. If God wouldn't have been so generous to give as he gave, you would not have the fulfillment of spiritual renewal and rebirth that you live in. If God had not been so generous to give as he did, you would not live with the light of God shining as it does for you and into you and all around you. And so I just want you to think about it for a moment, what he gave and what it means for you. What he gave. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Have you believed in him? Then you are experiencing even now that gift of salvation and it's right to say, God, your giving matters to me. What you gave so that I could live. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. While we're praying together, I want to make sure that somebody, that you hear this loud and clear, that simple truth of the gospel, that God, this is John 3, 16, God so loved this world, and it wasn't just like the mountains and the trees and the, and the rivers that he was talking about. It was you. It was the human beings created in his image. 
and he's reaching through all time and eternity into this very moment with his love for you. And for somebody, it's time that you allow your heart to be open to the love of God moving into your life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. And so there's an invitation for somebody today to be the day that you would believe in who God gave, Jesus, Savior. So Lord, I pray for a spiritual awakening for somebody in this very moment. God, that this would be the turning point moment. Uh, for somebody, I'm talking to you because you've been uh, dragging a weight of sin and shame behind you, trying to figure out how you're going to make up for it and, and, and deal with it. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is the one who says, would you let me deal with that for you? And so for somebody, the response is for you to say, Jesus, I, I want you to deal with it for me. I can't deal with it on my own. Would you, and say to him, Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? When, when you acknowledge your need for his forgiveness and salvation, his answer is a resounding and eternal yes. Welcome home into my mercy and forgiveness and love. And it's his gift. He offers it. And maybe for somebody, this is the moment where once and for all you need to receive it. So Lord, I pray for that spiritual awakening in this moment. While we're praying together, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, let today be the day you finally do it. To say, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you've never done that, do you want to? Do you want to ask Jesus, finally ask Jesus to forgive your sin? And maybe for somebody, you need to rededicate your life to him once and for all to say, I'm in. Jesus, I'm in. And if that's where you are, you want to say yes to Jesus, right now I need you to raise your hand really high. Like really high, just raise it up. You're finally saying, Jesus, I want to receive your gift of salvation and the forgiveness of my sins. And raise your hand so I can see it and connect with you. Or type it into the comments saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. And then pray with me and say, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I believe in you. Would you forgive my sins and save me? I receive you as my Lord and my Savior now and forever. Thank you for this gift of new life. I receive it with a grateful heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. While we're still praying together, I want for somebody right now in this moment to simply uh, acknowledge God's goodness to you. Here's what I see. I see something like a, like a metal plate kind of barricading your chest. This is a spiritual vision. And it's keeping you closed off from the touch of God that you need most. And, and what I see is like hands coming in and just separating that metal plate and taking it off so that God's love can reach the deepest place. And for somebody, you know that that's describing you and where you're coming from. And so right now, maybe the best thing you could do is to say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to take the the protection plate off of me. I'm ready for your love. I'm ready for your touch. Holy Spirit, is there anything else that you want to do in this moment that we should make room for? If there's something else we, we want, you, Holy Spirit, to have your place in every way that you desire to touch us as your people.
For somebody, there's a phrase that's been running around in your mind. I've got so much to do. I've got so much to do. You've been saying it to yourself. <laughs> You've heard it. You've been telling other people about it. Right now, I, I want you to take a deep breath and think of all of the things that you have to do. And I want you to just imagine them in your hands for a minute. I've got so much to do. <laughs> and would you just take it and just like, if you could, just almost like a prophetic act, like throw it <laughs> to your Father in heaven. Let him lift the burden of so much to do from you. For somebody, you really need the peace of Jesus to come in right now. Holy Spirit, what else? Anything else? I want to pray for somebody who's got something like a heart condition. Um, if you've been diagnosed or you've felt it, like heart palpitations, or you have something that monitors you and you know you're, you're struggling with a heart condition, I, I want to ask the Lord to bring healing to you. And so here's what I would like to do. In this moment, if you're saying, that's me, I do have a heart condition, it's causing trouble, it's been diagnosed, and I want the touch of God on my heart to be healed, I just want you to raise one hand high. If that's you and you want to be prayed for for healing in this moment, for a heart condition in particular, if it's been uh, diagnosed or been made aware to you, you can raise your hand in this moment if you want someone to lay hands on you and pray for you. In the back over here on my right, thanks. If there's anyone else, and, and if you're not comfortable with someone laying hands on you, just place your hand on your own heart in this moment and ask the Lord. And let's pray together. God, I pray that your healing would flow in this moment and that we would experience your goodness and your healing power even right now. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for it. And now, Father, as we think about all this giving stuff, we, we come back to that place where we declare you're our source. You're the provider of everything. And so for anyone who's struggling with any kind of anxiety or worry or fear about money, right now, Lord, I pray for your healing to come over that. Where, where hearing about money in a sermon has gotten some of us kind of worked up inside, I speak peace to that. And Lord, where we have felt afraid or pressure because of finances, right now we redirect our spirits to you and say, God, I believe you're my provider. And for some of us, we need him to do something miraculous. Well, he does things that are miraculous. And so for somebody, if, you, if you're sitting here, you're going, I need God to do something miraculous in the realm of my finances. Would you just raise a hand? Just literally, some of us, we just need to have the moment where we express it. I need God to do something miraculous, even in my finances. Raise your hand if that's you. And keep it up for a, mom for a moment. Lord, look at some of us that we have things. We've got stuff going on with our family members. We've got to take care of. We need uh, provision. Lord, I pray, Father, for a release from heaven for each one of us. God, that you would allow us to experience windfall provisions and blessings in our workplace and new opportunities for work and help with the business partnerships and, and the deals we were trying to put together. All of those things, God. I pray for your touch from heaven over those things. And Lord, more than anything, I break the spirit of fear and anxiety related to finances in Jesus' name. I say no in Jesus' name to any demonic affliction regarding fear about money. We say no, and we convert that fear into our faith in our God and what our God will do. 
We believe you, Lord, and we bring everything right to you, Jesus. All our worry, all our concern, all of the anxiety, we cast it down before you, trusting you're going to lift us up in this moment. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Why don't you stand up together, church, and sing everything to the feet of Jesus, everything in the feet of Jesus. Whatever that song is we were singing, yeah, you do it way better. Yeah, that. <laughs>